Episode 23, The Return of the Paperless Jedi, my conversation with paperless field guide author and previous podcast guest, David Sparks. Hello, I'm Michael D. Eisenberg. I'm the Tech Savvy Lawyer, blogging at the techsavvylawyer.page and host of the techsavvylawyer.page podcast. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing lawyers, judges, and others in the area of law to talk about where they see lawyers new and seasoned, taking advantage of technology in their legal work, and how all lawyers can utilize technology to better their practice, improve their services to their clients, and enhance their own lives. I'm excited to have back your pal and mine, David Sparks. David is a California-based attorney and host of the ever-popular Mac Power Users podcast. In addition to several other podcasts that David hosts, David has also published several field guide manuals on computers, softwares, and workflows at learn.macsparky.com. Although these field guides are driven for the Mac user, many of the software tips and workflow concepts can be utilized by a Windows user. I invited David back because he recently released a field guide on going paperless. Having talked with David before and having reviewed his field guide, I think all attorneys can take a lesson on either going paperless or improving their own paperless workflows. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Dave, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. My pleasure. I appreciate you being here. And just, you know, I'm going to title this podcast, The Return of the Paperless Jedi. I figured you would appreciate that versus the revenge of the paperless Jedi. Jedis don't do revenge. Yeah. Of course, and that's why they had to get rid of the revenge of the Jedi and to, uh, to uh, call it the return of the Jedi. We're here to talk about your new field guide and perhaps uh, get some people interested in doing their legal work paperless uh, where they're still trying to stick with paper. And I wanted to ask you, what are like three ways you would tell attorneys to help alleviate their fears about going paperless? Honestly, I don't know how you go with paper anymore unless you have very small files. I mean, the um, the I remember we had a, a case I was working on. It was involved financial fraud, and there were 30 boxes of paper. Mm-hmm. And this was, I don't know, 20 years ago. And I uh, that's when I decided I was going paperless because it was just madness. Um, and I, I do think a lot of people have this fear that paperless means no paper that Mm -hmm. you you don't have the paper documents anywhere. There's nothing wrong with having boxes of Bates numbered paper in the corner of the office, if you really want it that way. But as a tool for a lawyer, once you make them digital, you can search them, you can copy them, you can, you know, put them on your phone. It just, it just gives you so many more options. But do clients have a certain expectation is there anything that an attorney needs to do to mitigate what their expectations might be as to like, well, where's my paper file? Where's my file? Yeah. You know, I I'll tell you, I'm probably the wrong guy to ask this question because (laughs) my feeling is that clients want results. They don't Mm -hmm. care honestly. And so I've, I've always been very firm with clients and even judges and opposing counsel for that matter about things like this. I, I remember once I had a judge, call me and said, well, how come you haven't, you know, read your, I sent you an email. How come you didn't read your email? I'm like, you sent me the email at 10 o'clock. I checked my email at eight. I, I won't see that email till this afternoon. You know, I'm not going to sit here and wait for you to, to email me all day, judge. I got work <laughs> to do, you know, and how um, did the judge handle and, you know, that? Though? People, 
he was fine. He said, Oh, okay. okay well, that okay. makes sense. You okay. know, um, you know, I mean, if you want to get a hold of me immediately, you can call me, but I don't, the, don't send me an email. Expect me to be waiting for that stupid ding to go off. And I, I feel the same way about paper. You know, it's like, look, uh, when, you know, people come in my office and they see that there's almost no boxes of paper stacked around like lawyers inevitably have. Um, they think of one of two things. They think either I don't have any work or I just scare the hell out of them because I'm spooky organized, you know? And, um, but that's, you know, I really think that's the way it should be. I mean, when you've got those boxes of paper and you need to find the word, you know, mutual indemnity on one document buried mm-hmm. in box seven, you you know, the old way is not the right way. You know, when you, when you scan all that stuff and you do OCR on it, you can just search right, it, right. find the Bates page and off you go. And for the listener, what's OCR? Optical character recognition. Um, and in the old days, it was terrible. It, it, <laughs> I remember early days as a young lawyer, we had software in the office that would do optical character recognition. And then it would show this paralegal or secretarial staff the image and say, well, we're not sure. Is this an E or an A? You know, it was, it was like they had to go through and correct it afterwards. And it was just, you know, it was a time sink. Now, so I, I, if you, I was gonna say, I remember when I was uh, I was twenty five and uh, I was a grad student, and I got hired by a, uh, an organization to reproduce a uh, manual, this really thick manual um, on a computer. And I, I said, well, I could take this and just go to my university and scan all these pages, and then from there, um, you know, just go back and edit it. And yeah, the scanning was 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 horrible compared to today, but it saved so much time and typing just going through and making some edits. Yeah. And the reason I tell that war story is I feel like there's some lawyers out there that remember that and they never went back to it. And well, say now is that even your iPhone or Android phone has apps on it that do a bang up job of optical character recognition on pictures and scans. So uh, the computers in your office are absolutely up to the task. The software is way better. You don't have to go through and check it. And it is spooky good. I mean, <laughs> I had a case uh, where, you know, we were dealing with opposing counsel that was using the kind of carpet bomb discovery technique of giving us 10 times what we asked for. It helps that we never find what we asked for. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. by running that through scanner and doing OCR and some clever tricks with the searches, we were able to, find what we needed within a half day. So you, you get, you used to get 30 boxes of paper when you get 30 boxes of paper today. And after you scan them and run them through an OCR, what do you do with the boxes? What do you do with those uh, boxes of paper? It depends. I mean, um, I mean, usually what we do is, yeah, I mean, we, I return them to the client. I don't want to hold on to things. Mm -hmm. And part of the scanning process is application of bait stamping. Mm-hmm. So those 30 boxes are kind of already obsolete. Um, right. Sometimes you're in the type of litigation where you actually need to maintain custody of them mm-hmm. in case there's a document custody issues later. And you can do that. But in that case, I would lock them up in the office somewhere and try to not look at them or think about them. Um, but you, you know, that, you know, it just kind of depends on the type of case, but it is you, a, um, do you have any provisions Better. in your contracts? I mean, how engagement? I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. I mean, do you remember? I mean, when you work with paper, have you ever had that situation where, like, 
there's the primary contract, but there's like six copies of it floating around the office and different lawyers yeah. have annotated different parts of it. And it's like, mm-hmm. you never really find the one with the lawyer comments on it versus the clean copy. And it's, mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff you avoid with paperless. Well, you, you know, I, I, I believe it or not, I have some copies of like contracts where it's like this version, that version, and the final version, but I have them scanned as PDFs. You know, especially like, you know, the one I send out, the one I receive, and then the one that I finally sign. So, I mean, and that's still paperless, but before the day of like uh, programs like Panadoc and having yeah. your signature uh, on automatically ingrained in like Adobe or now even um, PDFN Pro. But do you have yeah. any, do you have any provisions in your contracts or engagement letters talking about that you're allowed to um, shred um, certain documents are automatically allowed to return the documents to the client. Yeah, I have the shredding provision, but I, I actually, my practice is I have the client uh, keep possession of them. You know, I just, if there's, if it's a big pile, I'll send it out to a bonded scanning service. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if it is, um, and if it is a small pile, I'll just do it myself. I have a scanner in my office. Right, right. Um, I don't do a lot of litigation anymore. I've kind mm-hmm. of transitioned to more of a business and corporate counsel position. Mm-hmm. So I don't have as many restrictions on what I have to do with the documents you know, after I get them. So I, I really prefer to scan things. I even went through and scanned all of the corporate books for all of my clients. I have like 150 businesses that I represent in mm-hmm. all the corporate books. I had my uh, paralegal scan and even that has proven very useful because like, I don't, I'm sure everybody, there's people listening to have business clients that are like trying to get a PPP loan and they need a copy right. of their minutes or their articles and the client sends me the email. I forward it to my paralegal. And since everything is scanned, she gets it to them like within a half hour of the email coming <laughs> in. What about like, um, just everyday correspondences, whether it be from opposing counsel or maybe you get a letter from the clerk, are those automatically scanned? And then do you just, do you shred them or do you send them to the client like once every month? Yeah. Uh, it depends if it's, if it is a um, evidentiary or like proof of ownership documents mm-hmm. and like that, mm-hmm. I send them to the client with a receipt. So, mm-hmm. that, so I have a proof that I sent it to them. Um, but most of the stuff I get is not that. And I scan and shred, you know, somebody sends me a letter, I'll scan and shred it. Gotcha. Gotcha. And well, I should ask, what kind of shredder do you use? Uh, you know what? I don't even know the brand of it. I went on, um, wire cutter Mm -hmm. six years ago when I started my own firm. I had been in a firm for 20 some years and then Mm -hmm. when I went on my own, I went on wire cutter and said, what's, what's the best scanner, uh, shredder. And, you know, it was like, couple hundred bucks and it sits in a corner of my office and and i was just recently told by a good mechanical friend that i'm supposed to be squirting oil in it to lubricate the blades uh i've been using it for six years i've never done that so i don't know (laughs) i don't know maybe it doesn't have long for this world but i'm happy with it so i I just go on wire cutter and pick one that because they do a lot of testing there i figured that's fine well, you know, in st- at Staples and other office supplies companies, they make these sheets that you basically just rip open and you you shred it, you shred the sheet, and it will lubricate the um, the, the the blades free automatically. I need to get some of those. Yeah, I mean, it's like I I back you can like packs of three or five, 
um, for like 15 bucks. You just do it like once every three months or so. I, I admittedly, I probably need to do it myself. It's been a while, uh, but they just yeah. have been really handy. And also they're the same sheets you can use to clean out your printer roll. Oh, really? Well, that would so, be useful. So, you so know, you run they, it they, through the printer and yeah, right. you shred it. Exactly. Because um, I'm not sure how, how much of the oil and, and uh, lubricant that's still in there. Um, but, you know, might as well try to just get the most out of uh, the product as, as you can so you can save a little money. Um, but yeah. if, if there was one, if, if, the, if the attorney was like, you know, I'm just, I'm still on the fence, but there's one suggestion uh, or one reason you can give them for just going paperless for the most part. Uh, what would that be? Well, I mean, avoid malpractice. That would be the I mean, when when you can't manage the paper is when mm-hmm. you make mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you can't find pieces of information, that's when you mm-hmm. have statutes of limitation mm-hmm. or whatever. And I think a well implemented paperless system can help you do that. I just kind of think it's it's the way law is going to be practiced by everybody in 20 years. So you mm-hmm. might as well get on the bandwagon now. And, you know, you've come up with this paperless field guide. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, this is not the first version you've done? Yeah, I did one in 2012. And the um, and it was very popular, got the an award from Apple. But this new one, the problem with the prior one was I did it through the Apple iBooks um, mm-hmm. platform, which is an ebook platform, which is a really great platform, except for the fact that the maximum file size was two gigabytes. So I embedded video in that one. So there was a bunch of videos showing Mm -hmm. you how to do certain tasks, but with only two gigabytes, there's a limited amount of video. I had a lot of compression and really, you know, didn't have as much as I wanted with this new one. I think it's something like seven hours of video because I'm distributing it myself. It's, um, so like eight gigabytes. So it's four times the size in terms of video. It is not, however, aimed at lawyers, although I think it would be useful for lawyers. I mean, it's really just aimed for anybody that wants to go paperless, but it's the same workflow, whether you're running in a law practice or just trying to take yourself personal uh, paperless. Well, and the best part is with all the hands-on videos that you provide, it's good for newbies. And you know, I know that one of the earlier conversations you had off, uh, you and I had off mic was about, well, you know, would the listener be interested? And I, I think that even though yours is designed, your payroll guide is designed and for a Mac, there are a lot of lessons that could easily be translated for the people who use Microsoft Windows products, um, especially yeah. some of the how to's. And granted, not all the programs and not all the tips will cross over but they do give you ideas. And, you know, when you know how to use a menu driven program, whether it's on a Mac or a windows, you start to get the hang of things. Also, there's just a, there's, there's a workflow to going paperless Mm -hmm. that I think Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what platform you're on. In fact, one of the things that really changed about the new version is, um, you know, document scanners are amazing tools, especially mm-hmm. for lawyers, because they can scan lots of documents at once. But for a lot of people, um, the phones are now perfectly adequate to scan. And like, I mean, 10 years ago, when I used to go to opposing counsel's office, I brought a portable scanner with me in case something mm-hmm. came up I wanted to keep a copy of. Whereas now mm-hmm. you just pull your phone out of your pocket with a $10 app, you get an amazing scan of it. 
Well, you know, you kind of uh, lean into the next question because uh, next question is like, what tools do attorneys need to do this and versus what they may already have? And like, you, know, you talk about walking in with a scanner. I'm presuming when you did that 10 years ago, it was a flatbed scanner. No, um, they had they had portable, like what I called magic wand scanners. They were USB mm. bu uh, bus powered. They weren't very good, but they would fit in a briefcase. Um, but so you were doing like one document at a time. You didn't have yeah. an ADF or an automatic document exactly. feeder to like shoot 30 pages at a time. Yeah. And I, I think that's one thing that um, the listener needs to understand that you don't have to do one page at a time that a... Uh, a scanner that has an ADF function to it can allow you to do a whole bunch of pages at one time and save you a lot of time. So you're not just doing one page scanning, lifting the lid up, putting another one down, making sure it's put correctly and, sure. and so on and so on and so forth. Um, what, what tools do attorneys need to have in order to go paperless? I would uh, argue you need three things. I mean, well, talking about the first, in terms of hardware, the first step in the workflow is capture. You know, how do you mm -hmm. capture paper? Mm -hmm. And there's two kinds of paper. You've got the paper that's physical paper, and you've got the things that are on your computer, like an email or something. But for right. cap capturing the physical paper, you really need three things. You need number one, a good app. You know, because sometimes you're just going to want to grab a single or you know five pieces of paper. That's the you know I'm at opposing counsel, or I'm at a job site, or I'm at a inspection or something and i see a document i want to save and you pull your phone out of your pocket there are very good apps that not only do the ocr they automatically um, figure out where the edges are they call that mm -hmm. automatic edge detection and they take very good scans and and that's great but if you know somebody sends you a thousand pages you don't want to sit there with your phone and do a thousand right. pages <laughs> um and in that case that's the next step up so so the the app is you're looking you know between five and twenty dollars the uh the next step is you need a document scanner that has a feeder. Now you had talked earlier about, you know, the traditional flatbed scanner. Mm -hmm. That is not what you want. I mean, you do not want to be lifting that lid a thousand times. Um, they make document scanners now, and there's many vendors that make them. Um, there's a, uh, the one I recommended was the Fujitsu one. It's very good for Mac, um, but you know, Sony makes them. Epson makes them. There's a new company that I just testing one out that may make it into the next update to the field guide called Raven Scan, where they it's a small company, but they make a really quality document scanner. So, you know, just there's a whole bunch of them out there, but you get a good document scanner. And the way those work is they usually hold about 50 pages and mm -hmm. they have they're called duplex. So they have two scanning heads inside front and back. So as the piece of paper flips through the machine, it gets both the front and the back of it. And the feeder can hold, you know, somewhere around 50, some of them all up to like 200 sheets. And it just, you know, zips them right through there somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 30 pages per minute. Yep. And, you know, it's going to do a great job of, of capturing them. The third thing you need is a bonded document scanning service you know when you get 30 boxes you don't want to stick mm -hmm. that in your scanner you just send right. it out and have somebody do it for you and those guys are everywhere they have really great equipment there's always usually in most markets i'm in orange county california there's probably 15 different vendors fighting for your business for this stuff so their pricing is very competitive and you know that's that's another way to do it um yeah 
Yeah, I'm in Washington D.C., so I'm I'm guessing there's probably ten times that. Yeah, I'd say like a thousand of them, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I have not actually looked, but um, given what kind of stuff that goes around this town, I I wouldn't be surprised. You know, Dave, earlier we were talking about you know maintenance that needed to be done to our printers and to our shredders. Are you aware if there's any uh, maintenance that needs to be done to our scanners? Yeah. Um, occasionally you'll see vertical lines going through your scans. Mm-hmm. And what happens is there's glass over those two scanning units right, right, and some ink or whatever will get on that glass and then it'll leave streaks in the papers it goes through. But all of the scanners, all the reputable scanning manufacturers make a scanner where you can just basically open it up and take some, some solvent or glass cleaner or even just paper towel a wet paper towel and just uh, wipe it down and you clear that off and i think you could probably even use some of those um those sheets we were talking about earlier the shredder Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. sheets and you just you know you run it through and you clean the glass in essence and you're good the other thing that that they need in terms of maintenance is rollers can fail or get debris on them and Mm -hmm. that's a problem as well um, one of the things I like about the Fujitsu scanner is they've got a, like a sonar ping in it and it can detect when it has, when it's caught two pieces of paper Yep. and it'll let yep. you know. So that's kind of nice. And then you've got to stop and kind of restart that job, but it's, uh, you know, there, there's some really nice technology out there and these, these things are not thousands of dollars. I mean, you're looking in about the $500 range for a decent one. Well, you know, if I recall correctly, and it's been a while since I have a Fujitsu as well, and they used to come with the last version, not the current version, but the last version of Acrobat Professional. I don't think they do that anymore, but they do include um, Abbey Fine, which mm-hmm. is one of the, the superior optical character recognition packages. Okay. So with the Fujitsu scanner, it does the OCR as it's scanning the pages for you. You don't even have to run separate software. Gotcha. And is that what you do or do you use something else? Yeah, I, that's, I do that primarily, but I've also got aftermarket OCR tools. Like sometimes people send me PDFs mm-hmm. that are, have not been OCR'd. That's, mm-hmm. that's a trick sometimes uh, shady lawyers will do is they'll strip the OCR layer out before they send right. it to you. And like Adobe Acrobat, PDF Pen, a lot of the better PDF apps will go through and do the OCR right for you. You can also buy the freestanding Abbey Fine OCR software for mm-hmm. both Mac and PC. So there's a bunch of ways to put it back in. Do you ever, so what would you do if you got a locked PDF file? How would you, how would you find, can you find a workaround in order to scan it, to get an OCR out of it? Yeah, not all PDF locks are created equal. Um, mm-hmm. You just got to try tricks like some of them. If you print out of the app to PDF, Uh it will save an unlocked copy and then you can work with it. Um, But that's not true with all of them. Some of them are locked in a way that you can't even do that. Um, You can also um, go in and select text out of some of them without saving them and Uh paste it somewhere else. Uh, There's a really good app on the Mac called DevonThink and it's, it's a research tool. Mm-hmm. Um, some lawyers use it, but a lot of academics use it. And I've experienced locked, I've taken PDFs into DevonThink sometimes. And for whatever reason, I can get the text out of them. I think DevonThink is 
I don't know if they're just not respecting the lock or what's going on in there, but they, it really depends. I mean, I get really annoyed when an attorney sends me a locked file because most of the work I do with other lawyers is collaborative where we're trying to get to an agreement on a contract or something. Right. And so I'll, I'll usually just pick up the phone and give them a hard time. What, what tools do attorneys already have that they may not be aware of that they can use for um, going paperless? Um, a PDF reader. I mean, both Mac and Windows platforms have some excellent PDF software built in. I, I can speak to the Mac more than Windows because mm-hmm. I haven't been a main time Windows users for, for years. But like the built in software on the Apple Mac, it, one of them is called Preview. Mm-hmm. And it has a full suite of PDF annotation tools, highlights, strike through. Most of the stuff you'll need as a lawyer, uh, it does not have redaction and it does not have the OCR tools built in. And um, I'm a strong proponent of lawyers using redaction tools. So, you know, that's a problem. But, you know, for the basic stuff, you've got everything you need without buying any software. And with uh, both Mac and Windows, you can get a copy of Acrobat Reader for free. Yeah. And, and those, those work great as a reader. Uh, of PDFs. And of course, you know, we all have, I think what lawyer doesn't have a smartphone that, you know, you can buy a, a $10 or $20, um, o, you know, PDF capture and OCR uh, program that will just do all that for you automatically. Yeah. Um, well, my last question is, what do you think are some of the best practices for going paperless? What are some of the best things that a attorney can do to make sure that their paperless files are up to date, uh, solid, you know, of good quality, and are easy to organize and find. All right, I've got. Um, I I think the most important thing a lawyer can do if they want to go paperless is they must take ownership of the paperless process themselves. Um, I've spoken for years at the ABA Tech Show. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking those hallways of the, you know, of the vendor floor and mm-hmm. all these people that want to take thousands of dollars from you and promise you a paperless solution. And they're going to, they're going to put you into this Rube Goldberg machine that you have to give, you have to pay your staff a week to learn how to, to do. And when that staff member leaves, nobody knows how it works. It's just, you, you really need to take ownership of it yourself. It, because this problem isn't as hard as you think um, you can do that. Um, my field guide is a great way to do it. I guess I have to sell my stuff, but you don't need the field guide, <laughs> but you know, nested folders are a great way to store files and documents. Lawyers are already doing that. I mean, everybody listening to this, that's got a client has a folder with the client's name and under that they have subfolders. So there's no reason you can't build a set of nested folders to hold paperless documents. And there's no reason why if you don't get a service or buy a document scanner, you can't scan that stuff and put it in there. The the next step you need is you need to have a reliable, intentional naming system because you are building haystacks that you are going to want to find needles in. And, um, you know, think about how you're going to name them. Are you going to put the date in the name? Are you going to have a code? Like if it's a letter, who it's from and who it's to. Um, and there's a lots of strategies and ways to cover that. I go to, into that with the field guide, but I mean, as you're sitting here, I bet you can come up with three or four ideas on your own. But, but if you take ownership, then you apply some intentionality at the beginning about 
where are we going to save them? What are they going to be called? How are we going to make sure everything is OCR so we can search for them? You know, it's just, you know, getting that initial setup done. That's where you win or lose the battle. But when you have programs like Devon think programs that kind of do all the sorting for you automatically or programs like who to spot with both of these are for Mac, but I'm sure the windows have a comparable, a comparable program who to spot that allows you to find uh, fine tune your searches for documents that you're looking for, whether it's based uh, on a particular date or if it's just by the client's name um, or if it's a, you know, if it's a part of a part of the docket or it's a complaint that, do you really need the nested photo? Excuse me. Do you really need the nested folders? I would argue yes, um, because that is the last. I mean, your lawyer, you're managing documents. Mm-hmm. Belt and suspenders is a great way to go, and having the ability to search with these powerful tools is amazing. Mm-hmm. But some degree of nested folders, I think, is is per you know is required like imagine you've got 150 clients and you put all the documents in one folder you know and you say i'm really good at search but then suddenly for whatever reason your tags disappear or the search engine breaks or for what you Mm. know you've just created a massive mess where the the least amount of work to put together folders is 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 going to save you so much time And, and and really i think the um what is it the um what's the parable there's uh, goldilocks the, the middle you know this the bed that's just soft enough but not too hard you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is is fairly shallow folders i'm not saying that you have a folder for every um piece of every piece of every piece but you have like client and then under that correspondence or maybe primary transactions and then you can use all your powerful search tools to get to what you need and not have to spend a ton of time moving things into folders but the, um, but even the the folder creation stuff and and moving can be automated on the Mac. There's an amazing program called Hazel mm-hmm. that does that. I mean, it with the least amount of metadata, it will automatically put your documents in their folders. And I've talked to a lot of lawyers that built their whole paperless system around Hazel because mm-hmm. it looks it's got the ability to look at the OCR, figure out who the client is, and and act accordingly. But I, I still would argue that you need some level of a folder structure. You need some sort of naming scheme that makes sense. So if everything else burns down, you've still got an easy way to get your client files. And, and if there was one tip about the file itself, about the quality of the PDF, to make sure that you're getting the best of what you need, what would be your what would be your number one suggestion? Well, just you know, don't be afraid to have large file sizes. Um, I get a lot of email from people who are like, hey, uh, you know, this is all great, but I found this app that can shave 10% off my file sizes. And hard drives are cheap, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when you go in there and you start monkeying around with the fidelity of the PDF, and then one day you want to print it out and put it into an opening statement or, you know, send a copy to the client. The, the PDFs will start looking bad if you start compressing them and doing aftermarket things to them. So, so I guess my advice would be, don't worry about it. You know, like the OCR adds a trivial amount of bits to the file, mm-hmm. but gives you so much more power over it. So don't worry about is OCR going to take up too much space on my hard drive. And honestly, if you run out of space on your hard drive, 
you know, go get another hard drive. I was in uh, Costco recently. I saw you can buy a two terabyte hard drive for under a hundred dollars. Oh, wow. Internal or external? It was an external spinning drive. So, you know, that's not (laughs) great, but I mean, for, for backups of data, no no problem. Well, you know, one of the problems I have with some of my files is that they're larger than 10 megabytes and a lot of the email uh, programs won't send anything over 10 megabytes. Sometimes you can get away with 15, but that's a rarity. And I've had to reduce certain files to as small as possible in order to, you know, be able to send them. Do you have any suggested workarounds for that? Uh, I have a very nerdy workaround if you want to hear it. Um, so Please. what I do is there's cloud services like um, Apple's iCloud, Dropbox, mm-hmm. and there's others that are even more secure. And then I mentioned earlier, there is a, there is a app called Hazel that does a lot of automation cool tricks mm-hmm. on a Mac. So what I did is I set up a sharing folder and I call it nuclear share. Mm-hmm. And, and it, when I put a file in there, Hazel looks at that folder and says, okay, what day did he put the file in there? And then mm-hmm. after seven days, it's going to delete the file. So it's a copy okay. of data. I put it in the nuclear share folder and I get a Dropbox link for it or an iCloud link or whatever the sharing service is. And I send the email to whoever I'm saying, say, here's a, here's a link where you can download these documents, but just be warned after seven days, they disappear off the server. And, you know, th- there are there are paid for services that do the same thing. So, I mean, some lawyers listening that are in big firms are laughing right now because they probably have that's all built into their network. But, you know, if you're a small time lawyer and you don't have right. a massive system, mm-hmm. I kind of rolled my own nuclear share system. So that's, that's how I do it. I don't bother compressing the files. I just give them a Dropbox link. Well, excellent. I, I really appreciate your thoughts today on about going paperless. So... Before we end, why don't you tell the listener about your field guide and specifically how they what, what it is they can learn and how it can be used both for, if you will, both a Mac user and a Windows user. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm a lawyer. I've been a lawyer now almost 30 years, but I also just love technology and um, I love sharing with technology. And over the years, I've built these Max Barkey field guides. You can find them all at learn.maxbarkey.com. And I have them on a lot of different topics, but uh, the most recent one is the paperless field guide. It's seven hours of videos that take you through the whole process and kind of explain what I believe is the best workflow for going mm-hmm, paperless mm-hmm. and addresses all the little problems. It's very much Mac and iPad and iPhone centered. If you're dyed in the wool windows, it may not be for you, but I mean, like you said, I, there's, it, it's 30 bucks, it's $29. And I, I think there's a lot of information there you can apply on any platform. I do have a money back guarantee. If you get it and you're like, this isn't Windowsy enough for me, that's fine. Just let me know. We'll refund you. But the, um, but I do think that, you know, for 30 bucks, it's a pretty good start. And, you know, somebody who's been down the rabbit hole, it's, it's aimed at anybody, not just lawyers, but like I said earlier, the workflow is the same. And I don't know, I'm, I'm really bad at, at selling this stuff, man. I, uh, I'm underselling, I guess, but I'm very happy with the way it came out and I've had thousands of customers and they all really like it. And, uh, a lot of them have been able to successfully go paperless. I, I do really believe in the idea though, of attorneys owning this stuff. I feel like the attorney who's responsible for this paper needs to understand how this works. And 
the systems that I recommend are ones that you can implement yourself. Well, I personally think you're doing a great job selling it. And I think you did a great job with the field guide. I think the videos are beautiful and it's easy to follow along. And one of the best parts that I like is you can jump around. If there's one thing you want to learn, like capture overview right now, or maybe uh, how to organize your digital documents uh, at a different time, and you can go at your own pace and it keeps track of what you've watched and what you haven't watched yet. So I, yeah. I think I think it's a perfect uh, entry guide for anyone, again, whether you're Mac or Windows. Where can people find you? Yeah, uh, MacSparky.com is the primary um location for all my nerdy stuff and learn.maxsparky.com is where you get all the field guides and uh, i also make several podcasts one is mm -hmm. called mac power users which is on relay.fm slash mpu i make a show called the automators where we talk about how to take your computers and make them automatically do work for you which i think is a great skill for lawyers that's also on relay.fm and then i have a show called focused which is a podcast about trying to remain focused in a world that is constantly distracting you. So, uh, excellent. Somebody, somebody once told me I don't have a single unpublished thought. Excellent. Well, I'm <laughs> sorry. Well, for, well if, let me ask you one question on the automators. Is that uh, Mac only or is that Mac and Windows? Uh, we cover all platforms, but it just depends on the topic. It's definitely Apple heavy, but we also, mm -hmm. like, for instance, do a lot of cloud automation. You know, there's tons of like Zapier and, and services out there that lawyers can use. Um, the thing about the law practice is, I mean, the dirty secret is that it's no longer Mac or Windows. It's all these cloud tools. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what you really want to learn if you want to get good at automating being a lawyer is how to automate the cloud and, and web services and uh, stuff like Integromat, Zapier, you know, um, if this, then that there's, there's mm -hmm. all these great services out there that are engineered for that. We, we definitely cover those on the show. Excellent. Excellent. Well, again, I appreciate your time today and I appreciate you sharing your thoughts and also a little peek into your paperless field guide. Thanks so much. Appreciate having you on. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the TechSavvyLawyer.page podcast. Our next episode will be posted in about two weeks. If you have any ideas about a future episode, please contact me at Michael DJ at the tech savvy lawyer dot page. Have a great day and happy luring.